We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. This is number 85. You've got a solo show today with just Scott. I'm actually very excited because, one, we traded her all this Chapman. And while that's not exciting by itself, you know our feelings on this. You know the stance that Andrew and I had on what we needed to do as a team and what assets needed to be moved. Chapman was one of those guys that absolutely had to go. Not controllable after this year. 
the Yankees in the position they're in, and then the overwhelming bounty that we got from the Chicago Cubs was a no-brainer. Brian Cashman strikes again. He's, he's really shown that he succeeds well in these trades. I mean, the guy has a knack for making trades and negotiating these deals. So what we did is I uh, went out and looked for some, some other people that had more information on the guys that we got back. And I got in touch with uh, Scott Kornberg, who is the radio voice of the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, has seen Torres and Crawford play on a day-to-day -day basis, had some information on McKinney as well. And we had a conversation, it was about 45 minutes long, some really, really good insight on the type of person, the type of player that Torres is, and what we can expect to see as far as potential for, from him. And the, the fourth guy added to the deal, who, uh, Crawford, uh, Rashad Crawford, who is uh, 6'3", 185. You look at him, you're like, that guy could very well be a stud. And it seems like he's starting to put it together. Uh, Scott goes into the reasons why he had a slow start and and why his prospects might be a lot higher than than you know the his past has been. So I'm excited for all of these guys actually, including getting Adam Warren back. It was a great deal by Cashman, and this conversation with Scott Kornberg definitely gets some uh, some good insight for everybody on all the all the prospects that we have. So without further ado, I'm going to cut right back to my conversation with Scott Kornberg, the radio voice of the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. We'll see you guys next week. All right, I want to welcome in Scott Kornberg, who is the radio voice for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. We wanted to get Scott on to get some insight on some of these new guys that have come over into the Yankees farm system. Scott, thanks for coming on and taking some time to, to talk to us. Thanks so much, Scott. It's an honor to be on with you guys. I've heard some great things. Looking forward to talking about it. I think it's uh, quite the haul for the Yankees. A lot of really good young players coming over. You know, it's it's interesting because the for the past, I'd say, three to four weeks, we've been consumed with rumors uh, about who's going who's gonna to be the guy, to, who's going to be the team to bite on Chapman, Miller, uh, Beltron. The first thing has gone down. Obviously, Raldis Chapman traded for uh, three minor leaguers and our old friend Adam Warren, um, Glaber Torres, Billy McKinney, and Crawford coming from the uh, two of these guys actually coming from Myrtle Beach. Uh, McKinney's in Double A, and you have some very good insight on a lot of these guys. So I'm glad we could get you on. Uh, first, I wanted to to just so the audience can know a little bit more about you because I know you do have some tri-state area ties. <laughs> Just let us know where you're from and you know what you what you're doing. Well, I was originally born in Long Island, and I moved to New Jersey when I was young. So um, you know, unfortunately, probably for this listener base, I grew up a Mets fan. But I, you know, almost all my friends were Yankees fans growing up, and so I've been to numerous games of the old Yankee Stadium, now the newer one. Uh, so you know, it's it's a great organization. Obviously, I think that's the one thing you realize once you get into baseball is I always grew up hating the Yankees because they always won. To be honest with you, and um, you know, now once I'm now that I'm in baseball and I have some friends who either work for the Yankees or in their organization, it's hard not to appreciate how good of an organization they are and how professional and literally perfect it seems they do almost everything uh, in every single regard. So I mean, they are like a first class, probably the model organization. I think still, even considering working in the Cubs system now, which is another phenomenal organization. So it's it's definitely neat to kind of uh, have this trade to tie me back to my home roots. Yeah, definitely. It was, I, when I looked up your bio and saw that you were, I saw the Bellmead, New Jersey uh, line in there. I was uh, took took this trade for for two Jersey kids to start talking on the radio again. So that's good. 
Um, let's 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 get into I guess the trade itself. Uh, there's there's some background information before we get to the players themselves. Obviously, the big guy in this is Torres. He is the uh, the 19-year-old stud shortstop. He was uh, the highest-ranked uh, prospect in your system, and he's actually come over and become now, as MLB put out their new rankings, our number one prospect, which is which is funny. And so I think a lot of a lot of fans are looking at this. They don't know too much about the guy, so I think some are apprehensive. The people that know, you know, have been following the the trade and what we're what we're looking to get and kind of how this team is trending in. Not, I wouldn't say a rebuild, but almost a retool of our of our team, but a, a true rebuild of our minor league system. Honestly, for the past three four years, it's it's probably the best it's been since since the early to you know mid 90s I'd say and there's a there's an interesting tie to that 90s team obviously this is the 20 year anniversary of the 1996 Yankees the World Series team there's a lot of stuff going on we've been covering actually the second half of each game from that season and the team is going to be honored in August but Mariano Duncan is the hitting coach down in Myrtle Beach and he was a, a big part of that 96 team so what has Mariano Duncan's you know contributions been in Myrtle Beach and uh, and how's he how's he doing down there He's doing great. Uh, he loves it. And this is his actually fourth year as the Cubs high A hitting coach. And this was a group that really didn't hit much in the beginning of the season. And all of a sudden, the last three weeks of baseball, and I mean, they, they can't stop hitting. So Myrtle Beach actually has scored five plus runs 15 times in 19 games. And so he's a pretty interesting guy to coach this team because, as the Yankee fans will remember, he didn't really walk all that much in his career. And the Cubs really preach, you know, working the count. They call it the process. You know, you trust the process, work the count, be selectively aggressive. And it's like that's not the way that Mariano Duncan was in his career. But he's really adapted. He's a tremendous coach. He was extremely close with Glaber. I mean, those two guys would talk all the time about everything. And, um, you know, with the process and everything kind of working out, uh, he's really made a, made his mark on this club, and I think made his mark on both Glaber Torres and Rashad Crawford because they both started had some slumps this year. Torres in the very beginning, and since then he's been phenomenal. And Crawford has been kind of up and down, really, really hot of late. But Mariano, he loves the Yankees still. I mean, that's he really considers that to be his home. He was so excited to go up for Old Timers Day. He missed a few Pelicans games, as a matter of fact, and he had the biggest grin in his face when he was going to the airport because I think he just loves the Bronx. He talks very, very fondly of those great teams in the 90s. Uh, he talks a lot about Derek Jeter using him as an example to the younger players, and he said everything that Derek Jeter has earned in his career, all the honors, um, I mean, he's truly, he deserves every single one of them. So, I mean, he, he's doing good at Myrtle Beach. I mean, this is not necessarily an old retirement job. He's working hard. He's working his butt off. It's not easy to to be on all the long bus rides in the minor leagues, but I think he truly enjoys it. And he really, truly still loves, I think, having been a Yankee in his time, even though he's now with the Cubs. Well, that's terrific. It's good to hear that. And I'm glad he's excited to be back. I know the Bronx Pinstripes team, we, we do a, year, a yearly outing uh, or take all the writers out once a year to a game. We all, we all hang out for it in the bleachers. And that's going to be the game August 13th. And it's going to be the 1996 celebration. So we're pumped up to see that. And we'll, uh, we'll be able to see Mariano that day with the rest of the guys. So you, you talk about Torres and, and Duncan having a good relationship. And I know you personally have a relationship with Torres too, just from, from being there. He's a, a young guy. Can you tell us first just about the, the kid himself? You know, who, who, what kind of a kid are we getting? I know he's a young guy from Venezuela. So 
just just I guess talk about him personally first. Sure, thank you. And by the way, I'm sorry we have a dog in our house, so if you hear any weird sounds, it's probably him running around and drinking water. But anyway, that's cool. I uh, a, my, my dog Mattingly is doing the exact same thing <laughs> in the background. Um, I like the name, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Glaber is such a nice kid. He is. It's amazing to me that he's only 19 years old, and I sometimes get to watch him play and. He would do things on the field that you kind of had to pinch yourself and be like, wow, I, I'm so fortunate that I get to watch this kid play like literally every single day and go out and practice every single day. I mean, he was he was an extraordinary. He is an extraordinary player. But as a person, I mean, he is he surprised me a little bit. I didn't know what to expect coming in here this year, my first year with Myrtle Beach. And you never know, like some guys who are superstars, they know they're superstars and they can kind of be jerks about it and he was like the opposite you if you were to walk around and talk to every guy I mean you would think that he was like a utility guy bench player he was so kind such a nice person would always ask you hey what's up would always like say hello even when other players wouldn't go out of his way just to be just to be kind and say hey how are you doing today um also coming from Venezuela Glaber really didn't know any English growing up. And I think like most organizations now, the Cubs have an English program for their Latin American players. And even though he was the youngest player on the team, and in fact, the second youngest player in the entire league, his teammates looked up to him as a leader. So, for example, sometimes things pop up, right? So the English teacher would come in late or the Wi-Fi wouldn't work or whatever it was. And the other players who are in the program would be like, all right, that's it. We can go back to the clubhouse and, and listen to music and do whatever we're going to do instead of going to school. And Glaber would stop his teammates and say, no, 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 let's wait. We had to wait. The Cubs enrolled us in this program and you know, we have to be here. And so the players would literally listen to him as a 19 year old kid. Wow. Um, so yeah, it, it's pretty remarkable, um, you know, that he had that kind of leadership at, that young, and that his teammates trusted him and respected him enough to listen to him in those situations. Obviously, stuff in the baseball field too, with being a shortstop, he's obviously a leader there. Um, but he also had a pretty interesting dynamic with Ian Happ, who was a top prospect in the Cubs organization, top 100 guy, and has since moved up to Double A. Ian was really the only guy that Glaber looked up to and admired and Ian kind of took him under his wing as a, as a younger brother. So I'm really curious to see now, um, the dynamic between Glaber and Mateo in the Yankees organization Two middle infielders half was the second baseman. So I think that'll be a pretty interesting thing to see for the Yankees fans, but I think you're getting a, a stand-up guy, really professional class act. And I think that's kind of the interesting thing in this trade is the Cubs are getting a guy with a lot of, question marks personality wise in Aroldis Chapman whereas the two guys in Myrtle Beach and I can't speak to Adam Warren I don't know him I don't know Billy McKinney personally the two guys in Myrtle Beach are two of the nicest kindest and most professional people in all of baseball that I've come across I mean Glaber Torres was a joy to be around he's an amazing player well that's that's awesome to hear and I mean how many 19 year old kids are sticking around when a teacher doesn't show up and that you know they have the, have the actual maturity to say, well, you know, the, the Cubs have put this program in place. We need to be here. That, I think that speaks volumes. Even something small like that speaks volumes about the character, about, you know, the, the work ethic and the, the type of person he is. So that's actually very good to hear. Um, um, little little tidbits like that, I think, are extremely important when, he, when you're talking about the makeup of a person and a player. Um, you mentioned him 
you know, interested to see the dynamic with him and Mateo. Now, there's there's been some some controversy around Mateo lately, actually, and and it's a lot of it has has stemmed about his maturity, his professionalism. I think he balked at the fact that you know he was uh, potentially overlooked for a uh, you know a boost up to the double A uh, from from single A. So it'll be very interesting to see how you know and if Glaber can can actually influence him and if they can if they can gel well. Um, but it seems like that would be a good thing for Mateo as well, having uh, a very mature. Uh, it seems like mature for his age, for sure. Uh, guy to to work with every day. So that's a that's that's positive, I think, for for Yankee fans looking back at those two guys. Oh yeah, that's huge. And you know, every organization is going to say, "Oh yeah, we look for character, we look for makeup." But the Cubs really truly do that. I mean, they will not draft a guy and they will not sign a guy unless they you know their scout gets to know him and they pass. There's actually a whole kind of checklist thing and. Um, and they they passed the test to to be a Chicago Cub, and so that's why this trade was so, I think, weird to a lot of people in the organization because or a lot of fans because Chapman, I, there's a lot of question marks about him. But any guy that they trade uh, from their minor league system is going to be like a stand up professional, incredible person. I mean, that's just kind of the the Theo Epstein came. Um, they had, they had dealt with guys like Carlos Zambrano in the past who. Or could be headaches, and Epstein was like, you know, the first thing I'm going to do, we need to clean things up. And obviously, every team, the, there's the Cardinal way, and the Yankees have a way of doing things. I, Theo Epstein has made the Cubs way, and, and the Cubs world, and all these different phrases with Joe Madden. But well, that's really truly a thing that it, you know, Chris Bryant is an excellent person, and Kyle Schwarber is an excellent person, and so is Addison Russell. Like these guys who come up through the system. The Cubs really, truly try to make you into a great baseball player like any other organization. But there is a very, very high standard in this organization about how to conduct yourself professionally. And, you know, to actually bring up Mariano Duncan, he's a great example of that. Um, He told me a really interesting story when he came up with the Dodgers that they perceived him to have a really bad attitude. And so he was in spring training and Roy Campanella pulled him over and talk to him in Spanish for 30 to 45 minutes about what it means to be a Dodger, what it means to be a professional baseball player, and how to get his act in gear to essentially pass those tests. And Mariano still talks glowingly about that today. And so he's brought that to the Cubs organization as well. So the guys that are importing it, it's very, very high-level coaches. I mean, hey, the Cubs could, you know, they're, they're a great organization just like the Yankees, and there's a lot of excitement in Chicago where they could get people that maybe wouldn't have gone there 10 years ago because the organization is so well run now. And obviously that's going to rub off on the players. And so, I mean, any guy that they're trading now to try to make a run at this World Series title this year, the Glaber Torres is the Rashad Crawfords of the world. I mean, they wouldn't be a Cub in the first place had they not been stand-up people. So hopefully that helps run, rub off on the Yankees guys. Uh, like a Mateo, because, you know, you, you hear those things. And I, I'm not in the organization, so I can't really speak to him. But, uh, you know, I think Labor, even though he's 19, is a guy that's going to command the respect of his teammates because he's, A, incredible on the field, and, B, he's just a nice guy. It's funny you, you say that story about Mariano Duncan, actually. I actually met Mariano Duncan in Vero Beach, Florida, at 
Dodger spring training when I was a kid, got his autograph. That was my first, I used to go to Vero Beach when I was a, when I was a kid with my family all the time. And that was one of the best spring training experiences ever. You were right on the field. The guys for the Dodgers were amazing. And Mariano Duncan was one of those guys. I'll never forget it. Who came up and, uh, and, and spent a lot of time with the fans when I was a kid. He was one of my first autographs ever. So it's funny that you, you say that. And, and talking about the, the international signings, you know, with, I think, you know, even if, if the Cubs do their due diligence on some of these guys, you, you just don't know how, I guess the fanfare or success, you know, how they react to it sometimes. And, and you may get, you know, a guy who, who, who might react to it a little bit differently than, than what you thought his makeup was just because he isn't in a new place. He's in a new country with, with new people, new influences. And, you know, you just don't know, you know, exactly how that's going to, how it's going to roll out until it does. And it seems like the Cubs have really done a lot of their due diligence and, uh, and, and have picked some, some good kids. And I think with, with Torres, while he's the number one prospect in the system right now, I mean, you're looking at the major league roster. All these guys, there's what five, six guys that were in their system for uh, that were they're highly, highly touted guys coming up. Um, so he's seen what's happened when you play well, do the right things. You end up in Chicago in the Cubs system, and and you end up in a successful position. So um, it's definitely interesting to see and to hear how they've groomed their players. Yeah, and the interesting thing about that is like all the guys they've called up have. You know, most guys who are young and who are rookies, like Mike Trout, like he struggled in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the younger players, like even though they turn into great players down the line, sometimes it takes a time or two just to adjust to the major leagues, and, and it's just natural to struggle. But, I mean, Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, Kyle Schwarber, Anthony Rizzo, those guys really didn't struggle at all, Right. Um, it, which is so weird. Um, and so there's something that the Cubs are doing that is right. And so uh, he's obviously been trained really, really well to the point where I think that, you know, had he st- remained in the organization, he would have been a great player at Wrigley Field. And I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the Yankees coach him up and, and whether he has a positional move. I, I think he could play shortstop, to be honest with you, as someone who's watched him every single day. I, I think he could play a really, really good shortstop. I don't think he would have in the Cubs system because of Addison Russell. But there's something the Cubs are doing that is right, and I haven't really been able to put my hand on it quite yet because they do a lot of things right. And so and part of it is just they have outstandingly talented guys, but there is something they're doing, and I think it probably goes into the makeup part of it, that there isn't an adjustment they need to make to go into a major market and play for the Chicago Cubs when there's a lot of pressure the last couple of years because they haven't won the World Series in over 100 years. So I don't think that Glaber is going to have a tough adjustment to the Bronx simply because, you know, I know Yankees fans could be tough. I know the Bronx could be tough. I know New York City could be tough. But it's not like Chicago is is Milwaukee. I mean, Chicago is, a, is just a tough organization. It seems like the Cubs, uh, even with the expectations, have trained their players to be able to handle a lot of expectations and a lot of pressure. Yeah, and that leads nicely into talking about Torres as a, a player. I, I'd like to get your opinions and, and just kind of the things that you've seen on a daily basis of, of this guy. And and just so that you know, too, there, there has been a report over the past 24 hours that they, the Yankees will be moving him to second base. So he actually will be uh, most likely lining up at, at second base to start in the Yankees. So I think... Uh, that's that's actually one of the big concerns I think for Yankee fans. People see that they 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 got a shortstop in this deal, and when you look at the Yankees minor league system, there's an abundance of middle infielders, an abundance and 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 very good talent, and it goes from from single A all the way up, and obviously with D.D. Gregorius having a breakout year at uh, at shortstop and Starlin Castro obviously from the Cubs playing second base, so there's there's an abundance of middle infielders in the in the Yankee system. So I think, you know. 
talking about Torres, do you see the ability for him to play different positions other than shortstop? And and does it does it just stop in the infield, or is he you know does he have you know further potential you know in a in an outfield spot potentially? Well, that's a good question about the outfield. I saw that report too, and that kind of surprised me that they wouldn't just to make the transition easier, do a new organization, keep him at short and. Because I thought he was a really good defensive shortstop. But I figured at some point he was going to move off short in the Cubs organization. Not because of what you see from people writing about him in the scouting reports, that he, he could be too big for shortstop. Because he's really not that tall of a guy. He's probably 5'10", five 5'11", foot five foot tops. Uh, he is kind of, he's very, very muscular. Um, but I figured that he would move off shortstop simply because they had Addison Russell there. And that's one of the best defensive players in all of baseball. But... Yeah, I mean, that surprised me a little bit. I don't know if he could be a corner outfielder type because, I mean, let's talk about the hitting first, I guess. He is really, 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 really good power for a middle infielder. He had nine home runs this year in the Carolina League, which in the minor leagues, you got to adjust for A, the league, and A, the level. I mean, he's 19 years old, and he's playing against most guys who are three and four years older than him and dominating. And this is a pitcher's park league. I mean, nearly every single park in this league is pitcher-friendly, especially in his home park, Myrtle Beach, which is extremely pitcher-friendly. And his natural power is to the other way. So he has nine home runs. Eight of them have gone either to right center or right field, which is actually pretty remarkable for a kid who's probably five foot ten and 180, 185 pounds. So his power is the other way. He said something really interesting during the year that when he was in a slump, he will watch video, yeah, of himself, but also Miguel Cabrera and then imitate Miguel Cabrera on the field. I mean, that's how talented he is, that he could just watch video of somebody else who he admires and then imitate him. And if you think about Miguel Cabrera, yes, much, much bigger guy, obviously a corner infielder guy or a DH. And his power, though, is to the opposite field. And so Glaber kind of has a really similar swing to Miguel Cabrera, and that's why his power, he gets a lot of doubles and triples to right and right center field. He'll hit some some just absolute stingers to left, but, I mean, it's a really good thing, I think, for a kid that young to already have that kind of power the other way. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a 40-homer guy. I don't think he's ever going to be a 30-homer guy. But um, a lot of the people I've talked to in the Cubs organization while he was here, especially our manager in Myrtle Beach, Buddy Bailey, who's managed for 28 years, so he's seen a lot of great players. You know, he said, I can only imagine what he's going to be like in three or four years when he continues to grow into his body. Mm -hmm. I wonder, I don't know if he can hit enough to be, for enough power to be a corner outfielder type. I mean, Yankee Stadium is going to be really conducive to his swing. So I think it's a great shrewd pickup for the Yankees from that regard. But from a, a different perspective, maybe a second baseman or a third baseman, I think he could do a lot worse, and it'll be interesting. I think he's got a lot of range over at shortstop right now, so that should transfer really well to second base. He's got an amazing arm, and he made 19 errors this year, but part of that is the scorekeeping in the league. It's minor league baseball. It's not going to be super consistent, and so he gets to a lot of balls that most guys in this league as a shortstop would not and because it's an extremely difficult play, but he gets to the ball and he makes it look super easy because he's extremely talented, um, he gets an error on the point. And I'm sitting up there like, oh, that's a tough error. Like, you know, a guy like this wouldn't your, – your shortstop in Winston-Salem would not get to this ball. So um, I think he could play really good defense. I'm surprised they're moving him off shortstop right away because I think he could be a really, really good defensive shortstop. Not an Addison Russell or Angleton Simmons, but good. 
I just, uh, you know, surprised it's happening right away. But I figured he would move to second or third at some point. Sorry for talking very long. Oh, no, 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 you're good. That's, I, hey, you're, you're, you're the guy with the information. I want you to talk as much as possible. Uh, everybody listens to me uh, once a week. They don't They don't care what I have to say about these guys. <laughs> but the, uh, it, it's interesting. I, I guess the, the move to second base, too, because Mateo has actually been moved back and forth. Um, they, they've seen him at second base. He's uh, he's obviously a shortstop as well. Um, so it'll be interesting how those how that how that works out. If if uh, if Mateo at some point in the near future gets a, a bump up, um, you know that that I would not be surprised about. I mean, when he when he is back in the good graces of the Yankees, if his uh, if if the talent starts taking over and the maturity is there. So yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see how he responds to that. Um, so as far as the you've talked about his his offense, his defense, it, it sounds like he. He is, uh, you know, going the other way is to me one of the one of the best attributes you can you can see in a young hitter to to know that he really does have the the uh, full command of of uh, hitting the ball and and you know being able to spray the ball around. I mean that that to me is is something that in today's baseball is extremely important. Um, you're seeing a lot more, uh, you know, I think to foul pull the foul pull hitters than you have over the past ten years where guys are just stroking the ball out. You're seeing a lot more gap gap hitters and guys who can run the bases. So that's that's definitely good. I actually read something uh, earlier this week. Uh, it might have been yesterday, actually, about his two-strike approach that it was actually very similar to uh, one Derek Jeter in the sense that he does go the other way. So I'm, I'm, it's interesting that you say that because Jeter's approach, obviously, you know, he's got that patented inside-out swing that would shoot the ball through the right side. And it mm-hmm. sounds like Torres has a similar uh, approach, at least at the plate. Yeah, he really does. Uh, and the approach has really developed as the year has gone along. He, um, he kind of really got out to a slow start. So his numbers really since the third week of April are insane. I mean, he's pretty much an over 300 batter, about a 380 on base since that time, and slugging well over uh, probably 450. And so, but it is because, you know, he, he figured out how these guys are pitching to him, and he showed the ability to adjust multiple times this year. And that's a big thing was the two-strike approach because he would chase a lot of breaking balls in the dirt. And a lot of it was just pits weren't really falling through or whatnot. But um, he's not afraid to go the other way. And I think that's big because you mentioned guys are more foul pole to foul pole now. You kind of have to be because teams aren't even going to be afraid to shift right-handed batters soon. And who knows where else in the future. So um, his two-strike approach was something he really worked out with Mariano Duncan, and that's something that's really developed as the year has gone along, and that, that's a big part of it. He's just not afraid to shoot the ball you know, the other way. He'll take his walks because he, he's a Cubs farmhand. That's kind of ingrained into him where he was. And so uh, you know, he's going to be tough to defend because he can literally hit the ball everywhere, so you can't shift him, which is so common nowadays. So we've talked about this kid as, as just the, I mean, he, glowing on the field, off the field. Everything is just beautiful it sounds like it sounds like he's the the exact type of kid you want he's the exact type of player you want he's coachable he's mature he's a pro what's what's wrong with him where, where are the negatives there's oh, got to be it, some kind of a weakness here. <laughs> it's funny um you know a scout the scouts will come down in the minor leagues and um they'll ask questions about all the guys which is normal and fine and they're trying to figure out more information and one scout uh, from a team i won't identify it wasn't the yankees but he said, I'm looking for any kind of dirt you have on Glaber. And I was like, I don't have any. Like, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't had a bad interaction with him. Everything I asked him to do, be it a media interview or, um, you know, can you do a radio interview with me? Or, hey, the Cubs are doing this cool story. They want me to, to do a story about you for their TV broadcast. I mean, no questions asked did it. And 
Um, I mean, obviously, we talked about the guy in the field. I think, I guess, the biggest question, you know, is going to going to be the uh, the defensive transition. How is that going to go for him? But I mean, I think he's going to be able to hit enough and play good enough defense. And again, he's only nineteen; that he's just going to keep getting better and better. But I just, you know, I I, I just loved being around him. He was super nice. He instead of being, you know, he's got a big contract, obviously, because he was a huge prospect when he was signed. Instead of like flaunting that, I mean, he's just one of the guys, and he was really saving his money to make sure his parents didn't work. I mean, that was the thing that he was doing. Like, he didn't want his parents to work. It wasn't like he was buying cars or or houses or you know crazy outfits. I mean, he was just a normal guy who didn't want his parents to work because he loved them and he was really excited about how he was raised. I mean, that's just he's just a great person, and I think the Yankees. Um, they got a good person. Someone else said something to me the other day. Like, he seems like a me first guy because he can kind of be flashy the way he plays. But you know, once you get to know him as a person, I think the the haul that they got, I wouldn't have traded Glaber Torres for all this Chapman straight up. And the Yankees got Glaber Torres and three other guys mm-hmm. for all this Chapman for only two months of him. I think it's incredible. So uh, I, I can't see much wrong with him, despite the fact uh, some people. Are unsure he can play shortstop. I mean, if he's your second baseman in the major leagues, I mean, he's going to hit, you know, 15, 20 home runs and, and have a really good approach at the plate and play solid defense and run the base as well and be a model citizen in New York and be able to handle the pressure because it is different in New York City versus other places. I mean, I just think that he's the perfect guy for that ballpark because of his swing and perfect guy to be able to handle the pressure because I, I also heard they were talking about Eloy Jimenez, who's down in, in Low A South Bend and I don't know a lot about Eloy because he's not up in Myrtle Beach yet. I'm sure that's going to be only a matter of time because he's crushing it. But uh, from all accounts, Glaber is a, is a perfect guy to be the next big thing Yankee coming up. No, that's great. And you were talking, when you and I were talking before we started recording this, you, you mentioned kind of the dynamic as well about him coming up, uh, you know, not knowing anybody, being one of the a Venezuelan player who, you know, that's all they know is, or that's what they do. They, it's baseball all life. Then, then they come into the States. They don't know anybody. And there's some nerves there. I mean, can you talk about just the dynamic of, of uh, a 19-year-old kid coming into the States, a new organization, really a new life, and, and you know, what his, uh, you know, how he adapts to all that? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, the guy who comes to mind, you remember last year, Wilmer Flores, the way he reacted when he thought he was traded, he yes. was crying on the field. Yes. And you know, like that, like Glaber was pretty emotional um, the last couple of days about leaving a Myrtle Beach and B his teammates. And if you think about it, he was signed at 16 years old, and he comes to a brand new country, leaves all his friends and family behind comes to a brand new country, doesn't know the language, doesn't know the culture, doesn't know how to drive, doesn't know the food. I mean, literally doesn't know anything about America except except for what he's seen on TV and maybe heard from people in Venezuela. And so the only people he's known in his life in America have been his Cubs teammates and the Cubs coaches, the Cubs rovers, people from the Cubs front office. That's pretty much it. And so it's really, really difficult for a guy to move to a different organization when that's all they've ever known. Again, he's only 19. And so he was saying something really interesting. He said, well, a lot of guys were saying, you know, he was, he, he didn't, he reacted like he was extremely upset because he was, you know, he, this is a big unknown for Glaber Torres. He's never known anything besides the Cubs. And so 
he was saying like, I'm just worried about making friends. Like this is what I know. And it's, you know, we always think about this. We were talking about him as a baseball player. Like he's a great baseball player. He's an extraordinary baseball player. And he's only 19, but that's the thing. He's only 19. And these guys are human beings where now he's going to have to go down to Tampa and he doesn't know anybody in the Yankees organization. And so it's going to be really difficult. I think for him, he's a likable person. The Yankees are an A-plus organization all the way around, so I'm sure they're going to have a great plan to get him into the organization and get him into the culture and up to speed with what they want to see him do. And I'm sure the players are going to be great for to him, but it's a big unknown for him. And, you know, can you imagine leaving everything behind to go to a brand-new country where you don't know anything or, or anybody and then having that support system there to learn the new country and to learn the language and to learn everything about what it takes to be a professional baseball player, then all of a sudden have that disappear. I mean, that's extremely difficult. So I have the, the utmost respect for the Latin players because they are extremely intelligent. They leave everything behind to chase a dream. And, uh, you know, I just wish Glaber the best. I'm no, I know he's going to be okay by his personality, uh, but this is a big uh, kind of moment for him in his life because he's just stepping into the unknown abyss right now. Perfect. I appreciate all that insight on him. It's uh, it definitely seems like you've you've gotten to know the 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 person uh, of Gleyber Torres, and obviously you, you've seen him every day playing on the on the field. So that's that's uh, some very good insight. I know the uh, the Yankee fans are going to really appreciate. And I think it behind this guy it seems like a very likable guy. It seems like a guy that we could uh, as a fan base really get behind. So moving moving forward on to some of the other guys in the trade, definitely want to touch on uh, Rashad Crawford more just because I know you've seen him uh, play in Myrtle Beach. But before we do that, let's touch on Billy McKinney. McKinney is a guy who's in double A. He was at Myrtle Beach. I know you were with a different organization at the time when he was there, uh, but you may have some insight just from people in the organization and what you've seen of him from, you know, a visitor. This is a guy who is a a top 75. He's a 75 overall major league baseball prospect. Um, He was a first round draft pick by the Oakland. He came over to Chicago in the Addison Russell deal if I'm not mistaken. And this Mm -hmm. is a guy who, you know, when you look at the scouting report and you even go back to high school, he was drafted out of high school. All the scouts were saying that he's, you know, one of the best high school bats that you could possibly come out of high school at the time. Uh, This is a guy just has a pure swing, pure baseball guy. What do you know about McKinney? When you look at his numbers, they're, you know, they're not as impressive when you see, you know, you know, the, the power the speed doesn't seem like there's a lot of that there. So I guess when you're looking at the measurables and you talk about, uh, you know, everybody's, everybody gets, uh, flaunts their measurables with a lot of players. And I think personally, I think it's overrated in baseball, uh, more so in other sports, but what do you know about McKinney, the player and, and, you know, off the field, on the field, anything you could tell us about him? Well, um, he has the sweetest swing. Uh, really, he's kind of like a, a Ken Griffey Jr. type swing, where it's just like it's just so pleasant to watch. Uh, but it's interesting; he's his prospect star is kind of faded a little bit. It's still pretty solid, but you know, at a certain point, at one time, maybe last year when the the or a couple years ago when the A's traded him to the Cubs organization, along with Addison Russell, which was a pretty good deal for the Cubs, um, they were talking about him being like a really, really kind of star type corner outfielder who had just been drafted and he was getting traded and he's only going to continue to develop. But he's dealt with some injuries, uh, one of which uh, is pretty concerning to a lot of people in the Cubs organization, a knee injury, which really sapped his power. So he's still a a solid hitter, but he just hasn't hit for much pop. I think that's the concern as to whether, you know, he kind of went from a guy who was, all right, he's going to be a star in our outfield to, okay, he'll be a solid starter to now. 
I think the question is, uh, can he be a starter? Is he going to be a fourth outfit? And there's nothing wrong with that haul for the Yankees if they get Labor Torres, who's going to be a starting middle infielder most likely, barring an injury. Um, and Billy McKinney, if he's a fourth outfielder and he, he makes it to the major leagues like that, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I think that the, the knee injury is going to be a question mark, and can he develop that power back? Last year before the injury, he was phenomenal. Uh, he was at this level. Uh, I worked for Winston-Salem last year in the White Sox organization, and essentially the Dash pitching coach told the staff to stop pitching to him because he was literally dominating this staff so much. And uh, he hit about 400 in a couple of series with Winston-Salem. We played Myrtle Beach a lot earlier in the year last week, and because he so thoroughly dominated them and, and really in addition to Winston-Salem, the other early opponents at this level didn't have an answer to him. I mean, he got called up early, but he's been in double-A ever since the injury is a big part of that uh but the power i think is a question mark but i think even if he's a fourth outfielder a guy who could hit that well and maybe even platoon a little bit on the left side is still going to be a pretty valuable player at the major league level yeah and the yankees have uh they have a laundry list of guys who can who can be a fourth outfielder right now in triple a alone i mean there's there's probably three three names uh that i could think of just at the top of my head that that could come in and probably uh, you know field be do, serve well as a fourth outfielder in the Bronx. Um, so you're talking about the the knee injury. Can you get more? But do you remember? Do you know what the injury was? Is this? You said it's alarming to the to the Cubs organization. Was this? I mean, was this a devastating knee injury, or is this something that's lingering? Or you know, what is it? Well, uh, it was a hairline fracture in his knee. Um, so he suffered it about August of last year, and um, he just uh, that's a weird injury. It's a weird injury, and. I don't know a ton about it because he was in double A at the time when it happened. All I know is that he really hasn't hit for much power since, which has been the concern. So he only has one home run this year. Hmm. And in fact, he's slugging 322. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest concern was, um, you know, obviously the most hitters, their power comes from their lower body. And it seems like this hairline fracture has sapped a lot of that power. A lot of the times with hand injuries, you'll see a guy get hit in the hand and um, he'll come back a, a month or so later and they don't hit for as much power, but the next year they're fine. And I wonder if maybe McKinney, next year he'll be fine. I think that's the big question mark. Obviously, the Cubs are not betting on that because they traded them. The Yankees are taking a bet and a gamble on that, that the power will come back. But, uh, that you know, they really weren't concerned about it last year, which was interesting. And over the offseason, they were, you know, they were fine. And then all of a sudden this year, uh, the last couple weeks and, and really the last month or so, you, you keep hearing rumblings about this knee injury and how he's just not the same hitter ever since. And uh, the numbers obviously bear that out. He has 16 extra base hits in nearly 90 games this year. And again, 322 slugging is just not going to get it done for a corner outfielder. So I think that's a big concern, um, I guess, for the Yankees. Maybe they're buying value low. That's what they're hoping. The Cubs are saying – we don't think he's ever going to get back to form. So it's a, it's a weird injury for a baseball player to have, um, but it's definitely made a big impact on his game. Yeah, and you wouldn't think. I mean, bones heal. So when you when you yeah. hear there's a bone injury, you're, you're, you're you know while while nobody uh, you know you don't 
you don't want an injury, obviously, but if you hear a bone injury, usually those those heal. They take time, obviously. The bones heal, and, and usually the guys are fine. So hopefully, like you said, you know, another year, you know, past the injury, and he can kind of regain his form. So, that, I mean, that does clear up a lot of things, I think, with when you're looking at his numbers and kind of the player he is now. I think that actually does shed a lot of light on that situation. So definitely appreciate that. The, uh, the last guy, you know, not... Not talking about Adam Warren. We all know him very well, so we, and he's obviously not in your minor league system. So we won't touch on Adam Warren uh, today talking with you. But Rashad Crawford is uh, was the fourth piece. Seems like he was the last piece that was that was announced in as part of this trade. And he's a 22 year old outfielder. Uh, we talked about measurables before. I mean, if you look at him, this guy he's got them. He's six three, one eighty five. I mean, this is a guy that. Is uh you know has has all of the, uh, the the physical tools that you're looking for in an outfielder. He's he's got speed. He's been on fire lately. I've seen in July. He's batting 342. Kid is uh, really seems like he's he's caught on um, in this month. What can you tell us about Crawford? Well, you mentioned he's a little bit older for this league. There's a there's a reason for that. He has improved so much this year. His backstory is really interesting. He grew up in Atlanta. Huge Braves fan. Uh, loved Rafael for calling Chipper Jones. So because of that, he was a switch hitter and an infielder his whole life, shortstop and third base. And so um, obviously pretty pretty talented guy. The Cubs asked his high school coach to play him one game in the outfield. And based on that one game, they drafted him as an outfielder and they turned him from a switch hitter to a left-handed bat strictly only. Wow. So that was really weird because sometimes you see guys who will pick up switch hitting you almost never see it the other way around when they stop switch hitting unless they, they have big struggles, especially when you're just drafting a guy. But because of that, the progress was slow. Um, you know, here's a guy who never faced left-handed pitching as a left-handed batter. He's also extremely raw and extremely athletic in the outfield, um, but he earned Division One baseball and basketball scholarship to Savannah State. Also had a baseball JUCO scholarship to Tallahassee Junior College in Florida, um, you know, so he had a couple options, and uh, obviously electing to forego both those scholarships and go play for the Cubs in their system. So the progress was really, really slow in the beginning for a shot. You know, for those reasons, he had never played outfield before, and he was never a strictly left-handed batter. And so, if you look at his numbers in the beginning, they're really not very good, and that's probably the biggest reason why. But the Cubs have really worked on a his approach, and this season he had a career high in walks in like this 65th, 70th game of the year, if that. So he's really developed a big time approach at the plate, just from a walking perspective and working the count and not chasing balls, which probably is a result of getting more comfortable from the left side, which he he's talked about at length this year that he feels a lot more comfortable as a left hand batter this season. The other thing is he was uh, you mentioned six three one eighty five. He came in to spring training this year. I went out to Mesa, and I cannot tell you how many people in the Cubs organization went up to me, or just strictly bloggers, because there's a lot of you know people writing about them, and said, you know, I saw Rashad Crawford last year, and he looks so much more muscular this season. And I asked him about that during the year, and he said, yeah, I actually did a different weight training program this year to try to build up and to get more pop. And so uh, last year... You know, he, he was hitting for a little bit of pop for, for a center fielder. Uh, this year, the numbers are, the slugging percentage is a little bit higher, but that's kind of misleading a little bit, um, partly because of this ballpark and, and that Myrtle Beach plays in, and partly because he hit a little bit of a, a slump in the middle of the season, but he has come out of that. I think that tells you a couple of things, that A, 
Um, whereas in the past, he was not able to adjust because he just wasn't comfortable as a left-hand batter. All of a sudden, you mentioned he's hitting 342 in July, and like the last three and a half weeks, he's nearly 370. And uh, that tells you that he is able to adjust, that he's feeling more comfortable, and that, that's a huge thing for him at this level that that he's he's developing as a hitter because he was not able to do that in the past. And B, um, there are pitches that are in on the hands or way inside that our manager has talked to me about, and he's brought up Crawford uh, before the trade, we would kind of talk about our guys, and he's like, I love Crawford. There are some pitches where they pitch it in his hands, and somehow he, he gets in on it, and he's able to rope it into the gap in right center field. And I'm like, how did that guy do it? And then he said, and there's the other times where it's just now about him being consistent, where there's a pitch right down the middle, and he just rolls over on it and hits a ground ball to second base. Hopefully this is the light bulb going on for Crawford, because he is an outstanding person so courteous and professional and um you mentioned the body he has incredible athleticism he looks like he's been playing center field his whole life even though he's only been playing it in the minor leagues he's an incredible outfielder and if he can hit with consistency as the fourth guy in this trade i mean he has he's extremely raw still but he has an extremely high ceiling and the cubs loved him and that's why I'm really shocked they traded him because I had multiple people in the organization tell me they loved him. And so it was really stunning to see him go because, I mean, he's come a long way already. He's still got a long way to go, but he's worth taking a flyer on because he has immense ability to be an incredible player. I think he could be a really good player in the major league level if things work out and he continues to work hard. It's funny because when you were, I was looking at this trade when it was, when it was almost ready and finalized and you know the the twitter sphere was a buzz about who the guys were it seemed like a lot of the cubs fans when you look in the in the twitter feed if you just breeze through it were actually very upset that crawford was the last guy in this deal i guess guys cubs fans who have the the knowledge of the minor league system saw i guess they see 63185 and the you know the the uptick he's gotten in july they were upset. They were not happy that, that he was the, the other guy in this. And, you know, just from the Cubs' point of view, I guess the fans looking at the players, and when I'm looking at this, and just from talking to you, it seems like the Yankees did very well on this trade. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy. I was, you know, Andrew and I, who's my co-host on the show, we've been talking about the Yankees, you know, trading their assets for the past few weeks. And, and the, the, the recent hot streak of the Yankees, we were hoping, didn't deter the, the fact that ownership would, you know, make, take advantage of some of the assets that we had because we have the depth in the bullpen. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very happy with, uh, with what we've gotten in return. And from all accounts, it seems like, you know, the Yankees did very well. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, saw McKinney a little bit last year and we'll see if the power comes back, but you know, that, that's worth taking a chance on. Obviously we talked about Glaber. You know, I, I really, I still, I feel lucky that I got to watch him play this season because, uh, you know, you don't get to see guys that talented all the time. And, uh, he just was in addition to incredible, just an, a really good person. And, uh, Rashad Crawford is the same way. And, you know, who knows if, if he can continue to develop. I, the, that's the question mark. But as the fourth guy in the trade, like, why wouldn't you want to take a guy like a high-ceiling kind of player who already plays great defense? I mean, the worst comes to worst, he can be he can be a fourth outfielder because he can play great defense and can run the bases extremely well. And if he can keep developing his hitting, and the, obviously the Yankees are pretty good with that, um, I just I love the trade for the Yankees. And from the Cubs' perspective, 
you know, I, I understand it because they're going to try to win the World Series this year, and they feel like Chapman is going to be a big help to some of their bullpen woes. But it's a lot to give up for a two-month rental. I mean, it is extremely a lot to give up. And there are people in the organization who are pretty surprised that they – I mean, Theo Epstein, his whole career has been made on not making short-sighted moves like this. And then all of a sudden, you do it for a guy – a lot of the people here keep saying question marks with Chapman personality-wise, which is a big thing because think about the Cubs culture with Joe Madden and we talked about the, the character stuff that they, they really put an emphasis on. When Chapman is not that kind of guy. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how that, that kind of comes about and if he disrupts anything in their clubhouse, as well as if they don't win the World Series this year because it's, it's a, it's a crapshoot anyway once you get to the playoffs. They gave up a lot of talent for a guy who might just leave them and maybe even go back to the Yankees in, in the offseason. Well, those are definitely the rumors. And, you know, for what it's worth, uh, what we've seen of Chapman, obviously we all know the, the, uh, the personal side of Chapman in the offseason and the suspension and all that. Uh, you know, putting that aside and just talking about him as a baseball player and what he brought to the Bronx, I mean, one, he was a, a, he's been a model teammate. The guy is an absolute competitor. And I know a lot of Cubs fans have seen him, you know, at, uh, quite a bit because he was, w- w- his time with Cincinnati, they saw him in division. But, I mean, this guy, I mean, a physical specimen, you know, obviously he, he, he can actually go uh, more than an inning. He's gone uh, two innings for uh, on a couple a couple times for the Yankees. So he's a guy that's definitely going to help. And when you haven't won a World Series in 100 years and they have all of the, you know, the the background of the Cubs and they're losing, I think at this point you got to go for it. You got to you got to put it in and uh and and make your run. I mean, the Cubs are on paper and you know, for all accounts on the field, the best team in baseball. And a guy like this could very much put him over the top. And I don't think he'll be a distraction just because from what we saw from him in the Yankees, I mean, he was all business, all business. He did whatever the Yankees wanted him to do. He's a gamer. He's a competitor. And, you know, I, I was actually very surprised and very, um, you know, pleasantly surprised, I guess, from all the things that we saw from him as a, as a part of the Yankees. So I, I don't see him being really a problem, but more of a, a very, very big asset for, for the Cubs trying to win the World Series this year. Yeah, definitely worth it. I totally understand why they made the move, but man, the Yankees made out well. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to see how those guys fare and what kind of adjustments they make with position-wise for Glaber and maybe hitting-wise for Rashad. But uh, I, I think it's pretty. Uh, the Yankees fans should be pretty excited because I think this accelerates their rebuild quite a bit. Perfect. Scott, thanks so much for coming on and taking the time with us. It was a really, really good insight. I know you've, you've watched these guys on a day-in and day-out basis, so... Um, this uh, this is some some extremely good information for all Yankees fans to get more of a, a, a good overview on these guys. So again, thanks, man, for coming on, and you know, hopefully we'll talk again. Thanks so much, Scott, for having me. It's an honor to be on your podcast, and uh, best of luck the rest of the season. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show. We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.